It was in the summer of 1978 that Lynn and I, in our group called Faith Incorporated, uh, took a job in Myrtle Beach. Uh, it was our second summer in Myrtle Beach, and we came to work at Magic Harbor. Anybody remember Magic Harbor, which was right there next to Lakewood Campground? And we had an understanding at the campground that we would uh, work there during the week, and we would be provided an opportunity to do two worship services uh, during the evening uh, in the middle of the park. And uh, our jobs got very busy that summer. Uh, I was in charge of ticket sales, and somebody else was in charge of rides, and somebody else was in charge of concessions, and et cetera, et cetera. And there were seven of us in the band uh, that went there to work, to, to serve, and to do service, worship services and share our stories. Well, as the summer went on, it got very hectic there, and because they didn't hire enough people or whatever, we, our opportunities to do ministry were diminishing. And we were very convicted about that because that's why we had come. We'd come, first of all, to do the, the work of the Lord, and then secondly, to work for Magic Harbor. So we went to talk to the management and, and told them our dilemma and our struggle that, we had, that they had committed to giving us two nights a week to, to, to sing and to worship. And long, long story short, there was a disagreement, and we ended up quitting our jobs. Uh, seven of us quit because we had made a commitment to put the Lord first in our lives. Now, after that, it was interesting to see how we survived the rest of the summer. Um, we uh, took a job, part-time job, some of you may remember these days, uh, passing out timeshare certificates uh, to, uh, to invite people to go visit a timeshare, right? And, and if they would take this ticket, uh, that they would go and they would get $10, you know, of, of awards or something, and we would get paid $10 if they went in. And uh, they didn't know that part of it, but that's how we were supposed to eat the rest of the summer. And Lynn and I had been married one year. If you know anything about my wife, she's a bit of an introvert. And she was not a happy camper standing outside of seafood restaurants. You know, people in, in the restaurant going, oh, those people are out there, they're going to give us one of those things, you know. And so she kind of put their foot down and said, look, my, my, my family lives 30 miles away in Conway, and I can go stay in Conway. I am not doing this anymore. I didn't sign up to be a t selling timeshares at the summer. Well, the Lord opened the door, and she got to work inside of the office where we people came to deliver their timeshare uh, invitations. And we just knew that they were not being honest with us, that surely all those people that said they were going to go visit that timeshare, just, they just weren't paying us. Well, we found out they, the people just weren't going. You know, they weren't going to the timeshare. But th that summer, Lynn and I got our first glimpse of what it would mean to be living a living sacrifice for Jesus. They were willing to put him first above anything else. And it began a journey for us in our life. What is sacrifice? We, we talked about this in a Bible study on Wednesday night and Wednesday with our staff, and this is the English definition of sacrifice. It, it is a loss or something you give up for the sake of a better cause. It is something you give up for the sake of a better cause. Say better cause. There's a better cause here today. That's why you're here. Now, we all make sacrifices from time to time. Whether great or small, whether significant or insignificant, one of the things that I that I always enjoyed is having a a a, a, a cold icy cheer wine cola. Now let me qualify cheer wine cola 
because I shared that one Sunday for somebody in the service and somebody from Indiana thought I was talking about actual wine, uh, but it was a cheer wine cola. But, but the doctor told me that if I kept drinking cheer wine colas, I'd keep producing kidney stones. And so for the sake of a better cause, I gave up cheer wine cola. On a more serious note, Lynn, my wife, will be 42 years this uh, December, was willing to give up her family in Conway uh, to follow me and Jesus to Kentucky and to Missouri and to do ministry together for a better cause. Now, we were blessed to move back to Conway. We were there for 10 years serving in our hometown. And then God, through the bishop, said, hey, we want you to go to a church in Lexington. And for the sake of a better cause, my wife said, okay. Um, after a few tears, she realized it was for a better cause. In order for there to truly be a sacrifice, we've got to give something, uh, something up of value for something that's greater, something that is, that is more important. And on any, any given Sunday, I believe that God gathers us together here all across this campus for a better cause, to, to be a part of, uh, of a catalyst for change in people's lives. We know that every weekend there are people coming into this space, into this room, into the auditorium that have real needs, that, whose hearts are hurting, whose hearts are struggling. And we believe that something can happen here in this space for somebody today, for somebody this week as we launch into ministries throughout the week. Any given Sunday is somebody's Sunday to experience something better from God. I shared Friday morning with our men's prayer breakfast that we focus on Sunday, but on any given Friday at 6.45 a.m., I have about 70 men that gather together to pray for that somebody. We're praying for that somebody to find their new direction in life, and we're committed to doing that. And, and, and those men are sacrificing their time every Friday morning to come together to pray for God to move in a new and a fresh way in somebody's life. I shared that at uh, 9 o'clock, and one of the ladies came out and said, Pastor Jeff, you need to make sure you mention this, that on Tuesday mornings, our women gather to pray at 9 o'clock. And thank you, women, for gathering to pray. Gathering to pray for, for somebody to experience a new walk with Jesus today. Any given Sunday could not happen on this campus without somebody's sacrifice. Couldn't happen without somebody's sacrifice. Many people's sacrifice. And these people who sacrifice on any given Sunday are doing so because they believe there is something better that they're sacrificing for. That what they're giving up is not as important as what God is going to do on this day. When we choose to serve together for a greater cause— we begin to let people know that Jesus Christ is real. And, and, and this has been the call for the followers of Jesus since he walked on the earth, to go and do something for a better cause, that the cause of Christ is more important. I was reading a quote from Oz Guinness, who's the grandson of the Guinness, uh, I guess that's how you pronounce it, I wouldn't know this, but the, the Guinness Brewery, uh, the famous uh, Irish person. And, and he, he's a strong believer, and he says this, that throughout history, the Christian faith has transformed entire cultures and civilizations, building cathedrals and hospitals and universities that proclaim God's goodness, God's beauty, 
God's truth through art, literature, modern science, medicine, and human rights. Sacrifices for a better cause. That's what the church has been about for the last 2,000 years. Now, have we got it right every time? No. Have we made some mistakes, the church, along the way? Absolutely. But overall, this world is a better place because of God's people, because of being a light in the midst of darkness. And, and, and hear me when I say this, God is not through with us yet. There, there is still work to be done in this city. There is still work to be done in this community. There's still work to be done in this state. There's still work to be done through the church because there's a better cause out there. I want to read to you the, the scripture for the morning. It's from Romans chapter 12. And I'd ask you to stand as we read God's word together. Romans chapter 12, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with a sober judgment in, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, this is the word of God for the people of God. Gracious God, may your word inspire us. May your word impact us. May your word transform us into being living sacrifices for your kingdom. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You will be seated. Now, as you think about living sacrifice on any given Sunday, let me begin by saying that, that our sacrifice or sacrifice has secured, secured our salvation, that, they, that your salvation has been secured by sacrifice. The, the, Paul says here, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy. See, Paul has spent the last 11 chapters here in the book of Romans talking about God's mercy. In, in Romans 3.23, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's 11 chapters talking about what Jesus Christ did for us on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven in view of God's mercy. Now, Jesus sacrificed his life for a better cause. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son who went to the cross for a better cause. Now, what does that say about you? No matter how you feel about yourself today, how bad you feel about yourself, how guilty you feel about something you've done or something you've said, I want you to know that God loves you very much and that he died for you, that you were the better cause that he came for. And put your name in there. For God so loved Jeff. For God so loved Tom. For God so loved Harry. For God so loved Janet. That he gave his only son. That if you would believe in him, you would have life and life everlasting. Now, in the Old Testament of 
the Bible prior to Romans and prior to Jesus coming, we know that there was a lot of writing about sacrifice, that there were the people of God made sacrifices. This, this wasn't a new word for them because they had experienced that as God's people making sacrifice, the priests making sacrifice, them bringing sacrificial offerings for their sins uh, to, to recommit themselves to God. In the Roman world, the Romans uh, uh, made all kinds of sacrifices to pagan idols. And we talked about that in a sermon recently, and I preached on that, that, that in, in Athens alone there were 30,000 idols, 30,000 altars that people made sacrifices to. And, and so Paul is talking about something different here. And, and I love what uh, the writer of Hebrews says. We did this study on sacrifice that you'll find the word sacrifice 12 times in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews uh, uh, chapter, I believe it is uh, chapter 9, verse 23, I'm going to read it to you from the message version. That accounts for the preeminence, prominence of blood and death and all these secondary practices that point to the, to the realities of heaven. It also accounts for why, when the real thing takes place, these animal sacrifices aren't needed anymore, having served their purpose. For Christ didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place. He entered the place itself and offered himself to God as the sacrifice for our sins. He doesn't do this every year as the high priest did under the old plan with blood that was not their own. If that had been the case, he would have to sacrifice himself repeatedly throughout the course of history. But instead, he sacrificed himself once and for all, summing up all other sacrifices in this sacrifice of himself, the final solution of sin. Everyone has to die once and then face the consequences. Christ's death was also a one-time event, but it was a sacrifice that took care of sins forever. Somebody say amen. Amen. That his sacrifice took care of sins forever. All the sins of yesterday, all the sins of today, and all the sins of tomorrow. He has covered our sins. So when he next appears, the outcome of those eager to greet him is precisely salvation. Sacrifice has secured your salvation. That is a gift of God. Now, you have to believe that. You have to receive that. You have to accept that into your heart. And say, I want, God, I want you to accept what Jesus did for me on the cross. I want to accept his sacrifice for my sins. And when we do that, as followers of Jesus, then Romans 12 comes into play. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what God has done for you on a cross, sacrifice for your sins, to offer yourselves, your bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Let me, let me say this one, that sacrifice is a choice. It's a choice. Paul doesn't command that you present yourself as a living sacrifice. It's not a command, but rather I urge you, I plead with you, I appeal to you, I beseech you to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Not a command, not a condition. What do I mean by that? Your salvation does not depend on whether you commit, you know, present yourself as a sacrifice to God, to, 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 to serve God. Your salvation is not based on that. Your salvation has been secured by what Jesus Christ did on a cross one time. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us, Paul's saying, in view of God's mercy, offer yourself as a believer in Jesus. 
It's a choice to follow the example of Jesus. It's a choice to serve. It's a blessing to serve. And one day you will hear these words if you serve the Lord and present yourself as a living sacrifice. Words I hope to hear, I want to hear, I cherish to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now notice the word servant there, right? It's a choice to be a servant. Uh, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must what? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Last week, a uh, great message by James Ricker in here and Trevor in the auditorium talking about the humility of Christ who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped out of Philippians chapter 2, but yet he came to be a servant. He came in humility. The Son of God, the creator of the earth, came and walked on this planet as a servant in view of his mercies, in the view of his example, will you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So sacrifice is a choice, and sacrifice is conscious. It is conscious. It is a living sacrifice. Now, this is a brand new concept to the people here in the book of Romans. They're used to dead sacrifices, sacrifices that were brought and laid on the altar that, that stayed there because they were not alive. But he's saying, I want you to be, present yourself as a living sacrifice, to, to lay down your lives in surrender, for live for something greater than yourself, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. That's the invitation. And here's the challenge. D.L. Moody captured it. I love this quote. The problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. How many of you can relate to that? Yeah, there was a time that I was committed uh, to serving Jesus, but then, you know, I got busy and before I knew it, I was, I'd crawled right off the altar. I was no longer presenting myself. I was taking care of myself. It was all about me and what I wanted and what I needed. Altars are where we present ourselves as living sacrifices. To be a living sacrifice means more than saying, you know, Pastor uh, Jeff or Pastor Trevor or uh, Melody, you know, I'm with you in spirit. You know, I'm with you in spirit. I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about you. Uh, you know, I, I really love what you're doing. That's not a living sacrifice. See, to be a living sacrifice, you've got to show up. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You've you got to show up. You've you got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, certainly there's a place for Melody welcomes your prayers. I welcome your prayers. I welcome your words of encouragement. I welcome those Good emails that you send me. Um, uh, I, I welcome those good voicemails that I get from you. Um, but I really welcome when you show up and you stand with us and you serve alongside us. Or you're out there making a difference and we don't even know about it because you're just doing it for Jesus. And you're not doing it for Melody. You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for Trevor. You're doing it for Jesus. And, and you may not be doing it at Mount Hoare. You may be doing it somewhere else for Jesus. And that's okay too. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You, you got to show up. You got to be there. Now, I love what we're doing in, in the Bahamas, and we've got a, a couple families that are boots on the ground. 
they're making sure that uh, what you're giving is getting to the people of the Bahamas, whether taking it by boat, uh, getting it over there, or taking it by a chartered airplane, taking supplies into the Bahamas. Uh, and I had a list last week of all the hundreds of pounds of perishables that they loaded up to take to the people in the Bahamas, because right now they just need stuff to eat. Right now they just need stuff to drink. Right now they just need some encouragement. And, and they had a whole list of things, and they got down to the end of the list that they had sent me they were sending, and they said, we even, we even threw in some bags of Halloween candy, right? You know, just th those kids need some, some candy, you know? It's, it's being a living sacrifice. And then somebody called me this week and said, hey, I know you had a goal uh, for $10,000 for the offering to the Bahamas. I want to match that 10000 and give another ten grand." I'm going, that's great. I said, we're actually at 15. Well, I put it at 25. So we're at 25,000. And I don't know, somebody else today may match that. And we're at 50,000. You know, I don't know. But the, but, but the people, that's the living sacrifice. That's making a difference with your time, your talent, and your treasure. Again, you know, sometimes it's harder to live for what matters rather than to die for what matters. Because when you live for what matters, you've got to keep doing it every day. You've got to get up every day and make a new commitment to do it. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. It's a, it's a continuous process. Sacrifice is continuous. You don't stop. You don't retire. You just keep saying yes to God. On Friday mornings, I try to, at the end of men's prayer breakfast, I try to slip down to my office and try to, if I'm preaching, try to finish up the sermon and work on the sermon a little bit, kind of bring it all together. It's been in the crock pot, and I'm going to put the finishing touches on it. And Sue Owens shows up at 9 o'clock every Friday morning. Sue Owens is 88 years old. And, and hold up your program. You got a program there? Everybody hold your program up. Sue Owens at 9 o'clock comes and folds the programs. She folds 2,000 programs. And you wouldn't have a program if Sue Owens didn't show up to fold the programs. And it is the noisiest machine I've ever heard. And I got to get up and shut my door and, and try to, you know, because Susan sees it and she can't hear me say anything because she's in there folding bulletins, folding your programs. And she doesn't retire. And she loves doing it. And it's her way of presenting herself as a living sacrifice, folding your program. So you'll have one here this morning. Sacrifice is continuous. We never stop presenting ourselves as a sacrifice to God. Because sacrifice connects us to kingdom causes. I love this quote. This is the Grace Marie quote. She's preaching over in the auditorium today. I know she's knocking it out of the park. But I love this statement. God has done something for you, but he also wants to do something through you. Say amen to that. God has done something for you in view of his mercies, but he also wants to do something through you. That's why our core value, one of our core values is participation over observation. That God is wanting to do something only through you. There is something that God wants to do only through you. There are ministries that haven't happened in Mount Hor because he's waiting to do it through you. He's waiting for you to step into that opportunity to serve in God's kingdom. In just a few weeks, we'll, we'll get out our 2019 missions devotional guide. It, it highlights all the kingdom causes that people are involved in here at Mount Horeb. And, and, and there are so many that we can't put all of them in one booklet. But, but, but read that and just see maybe where God is calling you to make an impact. Any given weekend, any given Sunday, any given week is a chance for you to make an internal impact for you to make an internal investment. Now, 
I shared a quote for you from Oz Guinness earlier about the impact that the church over the last 2,000 years has made on civilization. And in this increasingly secular world we live in, in this post-Christian world we live in, I don't believe that God's through with the church. Do you, do you hear that? God has not closed up shop yet. God has not written off the world. And God is looking for people like you to present yourself as a living sacrifice for his kingdom's causes. When we, begin, when we present ourselves and become living sacrifices, I want you to hear this, we become the incarnation of the gospel. The gospel lives in us and begins to be demonstrated to the world. A human expression of the character of Jesus. A human expression of the truth of Jesus Christ. More than ever, we need men and women. We need young people. We need college students. We need young adults who are being transformed, Paul said, by the gospel instead of being conformed to the patterns of this world. See, the church is losing its influence because the church is becoming like the world. And when the world takes over the church, the church loses its impact. We are called, Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why are we losing our impact? Because we are becoming too much like the culture, which is a me culture. The culture is all about me, my wants, my desires, my truth, rather than God's truth and God's word and God's way. It's hard to be the hands and feet of Jesus when we're trying too much to be like the world. Sacrifice connects you to kingdom causes. And a living sacrifice understands the need for constant spiritual transformation. I need to continue to be transformed by the Holy Spirit so I can see the things of God, see the needs of God, see the people around me that need God more than I realize they need God, that I got to live for something bigger than me and more important than me, bigger than Mount Horeb, bigger than, than, than what we're doing now. Connecting us to kingdom causes. And then I would tell you this morning that sacrifice is collective. That we do it together. We don't do it individually. Together we lay down our lives. We say yes to God together. That's why collectively as a congregation we welcome these new families today. And collectively we recommitted ourselves to be living sacrifices. With our time. With our talent. With our treasure with our witness, with our service, with our prayers. You know, this passage is clear that what is acceptable to God is that we present our bodies, our bodies, that means that show up, and that's plural, as a living sacrifice singular. Now, what does that mean? That today, on what is the date today? September 29th, thank you, September 29th, 2019, this month's got a lot of nines in it, doesn't it? A lot of nines in this month. Um, that together, collectively, we, we, we present our bodies as one sacrifice, one offering to God. So this morning at 1045, there's about 12, 1300 people here in the two rooms. And, and God is looking at your offering collectively as one offering from, from this church to God. And, and this week, we're going to go out at Mount Horb and, and present a, a, our bodies for a sacrifice, serving God as one offering to God. We do it together. We, we are much better together 
than we are individually doing stuff for God. And so see your sacrifice as collective. It's kind of like the, the Paul goes on in Romans 12 and talks about the body, that, 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 that there, each part of the body's got to work together, right? That the ear's got to be connected to the eyes and, and, and hands and feet, and we get real spastic if we're not careful because we get disconnected. And we need to be connected together. We, we need to be in, in concert together. We need to be in coordination together as the body of Christ and be collective in our service. There's so much more that we can do together. There's an African proverb that says, faster alone, but further together. We'll go further together. We'll make a bigger impact together. And I love this statement here. As we close this morning in just a moment, I got to tell you some quick stories. But today you're setting in someone's sacrifice. Today you're setting in someone's sacrifice. Your car out there is setting in someone's sacrifice. Somebody say amen to that. You're setting in someone's sacrifice. In fact, we have some people that come in every couple weeks that take care of your pew. They come in and make sure your pew is clean. They, they fill up the uh, little cards in your pew. They, they, they take care of those pew registration pads that you passed out. And their names are Lynn Dooley, Ellen Floyd, Dwayne and Paulette Russell, Deborah Price, Peggy Como, Janice and Clay Shirley. You're sitting in their sacrifice where you're at right now. They pray over your pew. Your, your, your pew is sanctified because of their sacrifice. You're sitting in somebody's sacrifice. There's a, a young lady this morning. Her name is Layla Tachuma. I can't pronounce her last name. And she's from Brazil. And she became a member of our church, and she wanted to figure out where she could volunteer. And, and she says she was praying at church one Sunday, and she says, I know they need help in kids' ministry, but please show me something else. <laughs> She didn't say that. I just thought I'd throw that in there. But just please show me where you want me to serve. And during that service, Grace Marie invited those who had a desire to know more about serving on the production team to meet at the end of the service. And she wrote, my heart went out of my chest. And then I accepted the challenge to run a camera. I say challenge because understanding English is still really hard for me, especially when I can't read lips, plus all the operations and wearing a headset. And I can say that I could see God holding my hands and helping me do my best. And the best thing about serving on the camera is I get to worship two times. I get to hear all the messages twice. I get to help people see it bigger on the screens. And then I get to help send it to people who physically can't be at the church, including my family and friends in Brazil. Layla said, you know, she came to me actually, I shared, saw her this morning over in the auditorium. I said, I'm going to share your story of sacrifice, presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. And so she came over before this service started at night and says, hey, come here. And in her, in her kind of broken English, she said to me, there's one more thing I want you to tell them. That my challenge was serving on Sunday morning as I get here at 5.30 and uh, to start serving. And I stay till 12, 12, 15. And, and because we only have one car, uh, my family can't come to church. And so they watch it on live stream. But so my family, we began praying about a car. And guess what? God gave us a second car. And now my family gets to come to church. Amen. See, that's how, 
Layla is willing to set and be, present herself as a living sacrifice. You're setting in someone's sacrifice. We, we, I ask staff to share with me names, uh, people that they see who are being very sacrificial. And uh, Jennifer Lambrick shared with me about Bobby Darnell. Many of you know Bobby Darnell. She works tirelessly, Jennifer said, at MKIS Academy four days during the week, loving and teaching sweet children, modeling how to pray for them. She spends extra time in teaching these children how to love Jesus, how to build relationships with their families. And once the year is over, she continues to pray for her children. She continues to contact the families and checks on the children. She's also a greeter on the welcome team. She's a faithful servant for circles. She volunteers at VBS, sisterhood events. She leads the M Kids Academy Bible study for our teachers. She faithfully takes care of her mom who is sick. When I asked Bobby how she managed to do it all, here was her reply, that Jesus gave his life for me. I try to do everything I can to be his hands and feet so he knows how much I love him. I feel like I can never do enough. In view of his mercies, we can never do enough. You know, when we were building this sanctuary, we were kind of tight on funding, and we were going to kind of skip by on some... Uh, musical stuff because we just, you know, needed to get a pews and need to get windows put in. And, uh, and uh, some of you remember this fella. Uh, he was on our finance committee and uh, he's since gone to be with the Lord. His name is Jim Land. And Jim called me and says, you know, I don't see an organ in the budget. I said, we'll get one of those later. He says, no, 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 we can't, we can't have worship without an organ. And Jim took it upon himself to raise some funds so that that organ that sits over there is somebody's sacrifice. Somebody else who's sitting here this morning reminds me that, that we, we didn't have a grand piano either. We had an, an older piano we brought down from the other room, and they said, we can't do service without a piano. And they made sure that we had a grand piano. You know, Luke, you're sitting in somebody's sacrifice over there, and I'm glad you're sitting there because he plays about as good as anybody, right? Amen. Amen. I got one more story to tell you. Two of my favorite people. You know, before Sue Owen started folding the bulletins on Friday mornings at uh, 9 o'clock, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mickey Havard folded the bulletins. As of you know, Mickey and his, his beautiful wife, Vermel, they both loved to serve Jesus. They were very sacrificial. They presented their, their bodies as a living sacrifice to the day they died. Mickey, bless his heart, he was our church uh, financial secretary. He, uh, he kept all the records under his bed in his trailer. And Mike Smith wrote a DOS program because Mickey couldn't get up to speed on Windows so he could keep up with all the records. But Mickey would fold those bulletins, and bless his heart, he would fold them one at a time. And we didn't, need, we didn't have 2,000, we had maybe 400, but he would feed 400 one at a time. Choo -choo. Choo -choo. Wasn't nearly as noisy as, as Sue is, you know, he just, to the, you know. And he, I'm sure he went home and fussed about it, you know, had to fold those bulletins one at a time. Probably a little bit fussy. Well, when, when Mickey passed, um, um, his family bought the church a new folding machine so we could fold more than one bullet at a time. They brought it up here and brought it into the folding room, and it was the exact same folder we had. Mickey just never learned how to do more than one bullet at a time. <laughs> It been, he could have been folded four or five at a time. He just one at a time. <laughs> well, we made a decision years ago when we built this facility not to put any plaques on the wall. 
know, back in the day, we put a plaque on everything. And I don't believe I can see a plaque anywhere up here because when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, we don't do it for show. But somebody said to me, you know, I know we're not supposed to have any plaques in this room, but Mickey and Vermeil are two of my favorite people. And I know exactly where they sit every Sunday. And, and I want to put a plaque. And I said, you can't do that. Yeah, I can. I'm going to put it underneath the pew. Right where you put your bubble gum, right where you put your chewing gum, it's right up under that. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Somebody's sitting in it right now. Somebody's sitting in their sacrifice. Only two plaques that I'm aware of <laughs> in the sanctuary, up under a pew because of their sacrifice. You know, we sang a song two weekends ago over in the sanctuary and Matthew West came here a couple of Friday nights ago and he's the one that wrote the song with Casting Crowns and he sang it for us over in the auditorium. It goes like this, I'm just a nobody. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who changed my life. I'm just a, a nobody presenting myself as a living sacrifice for somebody who changed my life. You know, if you were worth Jesus sacrificing his life, don't you think all those people out there are worth your sacrifice? They're worth it because you're worth it. Father God, I thank you that today I'm standing here because of somebody's sacrifice. Most of all, I'm standing here because of Jesus' sacrifice. That he went to a cross and died on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven. But Father, you know I'm standing here also because of somebody like Miss Fannin who came and picked me up when I was 14 years old and took me to a, a youth prayer breakfast. I'm standing here because David Cheeks challenged me to, to leave Kentucky and go work one summer in Myrtle Beach on faith. I'm standing here because a Bill Moore asked me to step out and speak, present myself as a living sacrifice. I'm here because Reverend Clyde Calhoun, a district superintendent in the Marion District, was willing to take a chance and ask me to be a living sacrifice here in South Carolina. I'm standing here because Lynn was willing to, to walk away from her family in Conway and say yes to Jesus and be a living sacrifice. Father God, we thank you that this church has been, it's what it is today because of people being willing to be living sacrifices. I thank you for every single one of them. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories that I could tell. And Father God, for that person here today who's never accepted you as for sacrificing for their sins, that right now they would invite Jesus into their heart. <clears throat> that today is their day. That Jesus died for them. And Father, they would receive new life. And I pray for that person here today that is sitting on the sidelines, observing, that they would say, Lord, where do you want me to serve you at? How can I be a living sacrifice for you? How can I show up for you? So Father God, hear our prayers right now <clears throat> and take our lives, take our lives and let them be consecrated to thee. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.